Hi there, my name's Jane Anderson and this is the Jane Anderson Brand You Show. It's the podcast for experts who want to have greater impact, influence and income for their businesses and careers. As experts, we know that people buy from people and work with people who they know, who they like and who they trust. So I'm so glad you're here because it's that time again now to really amplify how you show up in the world. Hi there and welcome to today's podcast. I'm so thrilled you are here and being able to share with you our very special guest on the Jane Anderson show. Um, In this session or in this uh, podcast, in this episode, we interview uh, a super special guest who we've worked with for some time. She's been really open in being able to help um, share with you her journey and to be able to um, give you some tips and advice on if you're thinking about growing your practice as a consultant, some of the strategies that you might be able to implement. Um, If you are in the consulting space, whether you're, um, we have a program that's called Women with Influence, which is is where a lot of uh, women who are consultants that work with us, but I do work with people who are not just women. Um, so you're most welcome to reach out, jump on the Jane Anderson website, subscribe, become part of the tribe in the community where you'll be able to hear about some of the latest podcasts that are coming up. You'll also hear about events that are coming up as well. So we like to keep you in the loop so that you can uh, come along and I can work with you and help you to be able to answer some questions, some of your questions, perhaps about building your own practice. But with that in mind, um, I'm going to share with you a little bit about our guest before we interview her um, today. So uh, our very special guest today is a lady called Eleanor Bennett. So she is uh, a chartered accountant by trade and she works with an international public practice. She's got an incredible amount of corporate experience. Um, she has been a, she's a published author and she spent the last 20 years working with uh, as a finance professional, particularly in Australia and the US. And um, she came from the, a background of being that technical sort of space. But what she realized was that she has actually really had the best skills in being able to communicate and connect and lead and influence and persuade people, which was really around that leadership space. So despite coming from that finance background, she really had those skills and she went on to hone them. Um, she works specifically in the space of leaders in finance. She's done a bit of work in the space of women in finance, but particularly now works with CFOs. She's created an incredible program called the CFO Boardroom, where she works with CFOs to help connect them. Help them. She's also written a great book on being able to become a CFO of the future. So she's really helping them to really create um, resilience in their careers, to be able to define opportunities, to help them create more influence and impact um, in their roles. Um, most people work with Eleanor to help them to break down silos in their teams um, rather than being seen as a back office function uh, to be able to really step up and become more visible, have more influence. Um, uh, things like, uh, you know, sometimes they don't have things in place like succession plans and being able to 
or to really become high performing um, or even to help them to find, uh, identify their next career opportunity. Um, I've asked Eleanor to come on today to share with her some of her really unique experience around being able to build something like a signature program, which is what she has built. Um, she runs programs and workshops. She speaks at conferences and all those types of things. And she does work with high performing teams. But in particular, I've asked her to talk about how she's built this incredible program and the problems she solves. Some of the people that she works with and uh, include like KPMG, BDO, EY, uh, Rural Co, Co um, uh, Invacare, Infomedia, Zero, Latitude Financial, Tau. Um, she's worked with some of the biggest brands and she really totally gets her customer. I'm really excited to bring Eleanor on board today in the, in the podcast and I hope you enjoy today's episode. I would love to hear what your thoughts are. I'd love to hear your insights. Please reach out afterwards. I'd love to hear. And even perhaps if you want to share a suggested guest for me, I'd love to hear that as well. Hi there, Eleanor. Welcome. And thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I am so grateful that you are here and to be able to have this opportunity to interview you, particularly for our audience. We have lots of people, particularly women who have their own practices and thinking about either uh, sort of starting their practice or they've been in a similar situation to yourself where you've had your practice for some time and then going into or you've um, maybe contracting then going to your own practice things like that so I'm thrilled that you're here I have so many questions to ask you I, um, I'd love to have you all day but I'm trying to make the most of the time I've got with you so um, Eleanor are you happy to share a bit about your practice and your background and and how you kind of started your practice yeah, absolutely. Um, I had, so my background is uh, a finance professional, senior finance leader by trade. So I was an accountant and an auditor for a very long time uh, in Australia and in the US. Um, and over that time, I was definitely not the sharpest tool in the shed, but what I loved doing was helping people, right? So what I, um, and, and what I found is during that time, uh, people were coming to ask me for help. And what I saw um, in both landscapes uh, was the positive and negative impact that leadership had on performance and in particular team performance when I was an auditor we had lots of different teams um, and so I can't and, and so really so fast forward a little bit come back to Australia um, I had done a lot of training uh, in the US and I brought that over I'd also specialized um, in sampling uh, so I was a sampling specialist, so doing lots of advisory type engagement with engagement teams. Uh, and I moved, when I came back, I moved into their technical advisory department in KPMG's technical advisory uh, department. I then had my two children and went, you know what, partnership's never really been a thing for me. Uh, so moved into corporate. I didn't want to sort of be pigeonholed um, as, a, as an auditor, I suppose. Um, and it was during that shift or sort of it was at that shift of moving into corporate where I started to put language around things like performance and culture and leadership. Uh, they would ask me, I'll never forget in my job interview, they asked me or they said to me, oh, look, one of the things we need to do is we need to roll out an internal controls framework. And my heart sank because rolling out internal controls was not what I wanted right. to do, right? <laughs> um, but I very quickly and nimbly and, you know, for sort of one of my smarter moments, I suppose, I went, yeah, totally fine to do that. But in order to do that successfully and embed that internal controls framework, we need to have the culture to support it. So given the growth trajectory of the company, I'm going to need to do some work on the finance culture. Thankfully, they said, 
have at it. So I think that was my sort of first proactive foray into doing the work that I do now with finance leadership teams. But it was really a couple of years later when I was sitting on a business leadership team. So I was the finance executive in one of the lines of business um, mm -hmm. and I was in a leadership strategy day and I was sitting there and I had that moment. I was such a little girl. I went, that's what I want to do when I grow up ah. I, at the facilitator. Right. I was like, that's it. That's it. I don't know what that is. But that's <laughs> what I do want to do when I grow up. And I vividly remember the next day or a couple of days later, because that was down in Melbourne, saying to my friend in the bathroom, her name is Anna, I said, Anna, I think I've seen what I want to do when I grow up. <laughs> I was in my mid-30s, right? So I wasn't a young wow. school chicken. Um, and, you know, as a lot of us uh, do, or sort of as we do in those situations, we ask them for a copy and we ask to pick their brain, right? How many people have, have had that happen yes. to and, you know, he was very gracious with his time. I had no idea that this world that we play in, Jane, existed. Right. I was just in my little, I just do finance. I just, you know, beaver away and I, you know, climb up the ranks. I had no idea that coaching, facilitating, training, speaking, didn't know it was a thing. Wow. Um, and so it was like this, my eyes were just opening because, of course, you know, I caught up with him a few times, then he connected me with other people. Right. And I really found like I'd, I felt like I'd found my purpose that this was the thing I was wow. meant to do because I knew all the technical stuff I didn't okay. love it but I could do it and as I said I wasn't the sharpest tool in the shed technically but I was very good at relationships right. and influence and so that was what contributed to my success and so I said I got to a point where I went you know what my energy and effort is best placed partnering alongside those finance professionals those really smart ones that actually need to amplify their results um, or elevate their results with the leadership skills, with the team leadership skills and all of the rest of it. So that was really how I got to where I got to, what, where I am now. But I suppose the thing, um, I'm a little bit of a high initiator. So when you I have are. an idea, I just go and do it. Because, you know, <laughs> no, uh, like any, any attribute like that, it's good until it's not. Um, and so the, the good part of it, I suppose, at the same time, you know, the stars aligned and I was working with another consultant on a project internally. And he said to me, Eleanor, we've got this uh, project that I would love some support on, not in the finance space, but I'd love for, you know, to you know, sort of come. He knew about my sort of newest aspirations. And he said, well, how about you come and work with me on this project? And I thought, oh, gosh, you know, it seems like a big, a big leap. But at the same time, it's a soft landing because, as you can appreciate, as, you know, as an accountant, we have lots of qualifications. And so yes. there's a bit of the am I qualified to do this going on? Right. He was giving me that sort of soft landing. So I went, I'll take the opportunity. I'll just jump, um, <laughs> which was absolutely, you know, I'd never change it. But I suppose in terms of lessons learned, I'd probably do a few things differently, but we might come to that. Um, and so so I, so I jumped in and I did that contract work for about a year. Right. Um, and, and what was nice about that, it took me away from the finance world. It actually was with some frontline staff. But over the course of that year, I sort of rekindled my, with that distance, it sort of rekindled my passion. And, and I realised, you know what, I can really help these finance professionals. I know their lingo. I've done their job. Um, and, uh, you know, I think there's, a, I think that's where my value is best placed. Yes. Um, and so... I decided after the 12 months in that particular contract role 
I decided to sort of start my practice in the, you know, baby version of what it is today. Yes. Um, and I started doing doing all the things. And, you know, as someone who suffers from shiny toy syndrome, I literally did all of the things. Everything. <laughs> right. Um, and doing all of them poorly. Right. I, I, I dare say that the delivery was good. Um, because you know from a when you get up and you have to perform on stage or coach or what have you that's the real sort of that's the bread and butter that's the stuff that the capability that you go yeah I've got that stuff but as we know or as we learn to know yes. uh, delivery is just one piece of the pie yes <laughs> yeah all that infrastructure around it to make that happen that's yeah exactly right. right so I suppose um so that that was all good um, but I'd certainly had lots of peaks and troughs uh, in that in those first few initial years of, um, I said, yeah, it was the it was the shiny toy thing, and and you know it was the oh I'll go and try that, or I'll go and try that, or I'll go and try that. And whilst I sort of knew that the the playground I wanted to play in was the finance bit, if I'm perfectly honest, I was a little bit like what I hear a lot of people are in, in that early stages. You kind of go well. I actually just need to sustain my business. So I'll kind of cast the net far and wide. Right, yes. And whilst I was hearing a lot of you've got a niche, you've got a niche because it'll make it better, yeah, there's yeah. that, I think that scarcity part of the brain that goes, oh, but if I cut off that. Yes. And, and what about all these other people? And what am I yeah. missing out on, yeah? And I'm sure I can help them because I'm wonderful, right? Spot <laughs> on. Um. However, so what happened, and I'll be perfectly honest with you, what happened over a number of years, I suppose, you know, the runway, I burned the runway down, the revenue wasn't quite replacing itself. And I was kind of asking myself some, I was faced with some difficult decisions or, or circumstances. Um, I suppose the additional piece of context is I'm the breadwinner in my family. Yeah. Um, it always has been that way. And, yeah. and that works really well for us. Um, but obviously the dynamic was starting to shift and that was causing some uncertainty. We had two very young girls, um, my husband and I, and so that it was just sort of providing a bit of a rocky platform. Anyway, so if I think about um, my husband's, Cody's American, as you know, mm -hmm. uh, and so he follows or yeah, follows American football. So it was a little bit of a Hail Mary, you know, a Hail Mary pass. Can we get the touchdown? <laughs> I, I wrote I wrote my first book. I went, you know what? This niching thing has got to be a thing. So I'm just <laughs> going to write a book for women in finance. Right. There was a little bit of the, you know what, Eleanor, you've been in your business for a few years. You probably should have a, a book anyway. So there was a little bit of the, you, you actually should have done this anyway. But it, if I'm perfectly honest with you, Jane, it was a little bit of a Hail Mary Let's do this niche thing. Let's see if it works. Let's write the book and see what happens on the other side. Okay. Um, it, it was it was a game changer in a number in a number of areas. Um, not particularly on a revenue side, um, because the release was right before the pandemic, which meant that all of the gender stuff sort of fell off the radar for a little bit. Yes. Um, but there was something about holding a book and going, "Oh, I did this." Not everybody can do this. Yeah. There's actually substance yes. um, in this. And so there, and so, you know, you got to like they say, you've got to sell yourself before you can sell anyone else. But there yes. was there was a bit of both going, oh, I've written a book and gosh, there's actually lots of good stuff in here. I knew it was good because I'd been teaching it for years. But then there was the other people going, Oh, you've written a book. 
that's incredible. Can you come and talk to, can you come and have a conversation with me here? Can you come and talk to my team there? So that started to, I suppose that gave me enough um, impetus or motivation to go, all right, you know what, there's something in this. Um, I think at that point, Jane, there was also the, you know what, I really want to be in this game. Like mm -hmm. there was that decision bit where I go, I really want to be in this game, but I understand that I need a bit more runway. I need to buy some time because it's not fun yeah. playing in survival mode. It doesn't do anything from a delivery perspective. Yeah. You know, when you're in sales meetings, it just, you just, you know, it comes out of your pores, right? Screaming desperation. Yeah. And as you know, I am a bit of a, I'm not real woo-woo, but I do sort of believe in the power of the universe. Mm. Um, and I was reading, I was skimming my emails and uh, there was an email from the Chartered, of Account Chartered Accountants of Australia and New Zealand, yes. which I'm a member of because I'm a dorky accountant. Um, and I just kind of flicked through, cool flicked, through <laughs> <laughs> flicked through, flicked through, got to the bottom and it said, um, you know, career, like the career section. And I went, huh. That's interesting. Clicked on that. Um, and as it turned out, there was a part-time role uh, in an area that I was a particular expert, had a particular expertise in. Right. Um, and I was pretty certain that a former colleague of mine at KPMG ran that team. Ah. So I went, huh, this is interesting. So I emailed her separately because the things that are going on in my head um, are you know, I want to make sure I've got that runway, but at the same time, I don't want to do anything that's going to undermine my brand that right. I've been working hard on. Um, and so I reached out to her and I said, um, hey, we'll call her Anna. I said, hey, Anna, just wanted to check. I saw this thing. I saw you might be looking for a part-time role and I might know someone who's interested. Is that the team that you lead? And she said, oh, yeah, actually it is. And I said, okay, can we, you know, let's catch up for coffee and let's talk about it. So I caught up with her in town. I said, actually, the person that might be interested in is me. And I said, and this was very honest, I said, quite frankly, um, I'm lonely. Like I'm right. someone that loves, I thrive when I'm working with people around a team. And whilst I had this level of confidence that I was on the right track, I really was progressing in a sort of linear proper fashion grown-up fashion I kind mm. of felt like that energy was missing that mojo was missing right. and so I said look this is what's going on and I'm in the process and they knew like I was in the process of building my business my business is focused on finance professionals and at the same time I want to make sure that I'm keeping um, I'm around good people and I'm working around good people yes she said to me Helena like it, it this is far below your pay grade so she was sort of thinking like career thing and I said Anna, this has got nothing to do with that. Like, right. I'm not on a career trajectory. I just want something that's going to work alongside my business. Right. Um, so very fortunately, I got that role. It was a 12-month contract role. It was oh, two to three days a week, I forget. Okay. It was perfect because I obviously didn't know the pandemic was going to happen. So it Absolutely. meant that in the midst of um, pandemic and lockdown, I had a team that I was working with who were wonderful. I had some certainty of cash flow, which meant that that kind of kept the foundation layer going, which meant nice. I could keep growing my business. Yeah. Um, it was during that time, Jane. So I've been stalking you for a long time, but it was during that time. <laughs> You'd be surprised how many people say that, actually. I have been stalking you. That <laughs> um, you put on a couple of offers that I couldn't refuse. And I just felt that everything was leading to this point. Um, and so I think I attended one of your content club bootcamp things. I signed yeah. up for content club and then um, I'll never forget that uh, you did an end of financial year sale for cut through collaterals. 
and um I, you know at that time I was going oh this is such a good deal but oh cash like cash flow you know but you made it super easy for me to make that decision but it was a bit of a hold on to your hats people this is it um and it was like within oh I can't even remember but it it was the game changer like if I think about the trajectory of my business right. that was the game changer right um and in preparation for this conversation, we've sort of had this conversation before in terms of mm. what was the thing, like what has been, what was the game changer? Yeah. Um, I think I connect to your story. Like I think about way back in the days, I remember watching a video on thought leaders and I went, yeah, like I resonate with you from a human perspective. Yeah. Um, so that's, as you know, that's important. Um, yeah. But it was the rigor and the discipline that you provided around that that program and that framework. Right. Um, I'm not a I'm not a hustler, so I'm not someone who just goes, all right, here's, you know, I can't sell ice to Eskimos. Yeah. That saying. Um, and I and maybe this is the sort of accountant in me, but I want to know that it's good. Yes. Like I I get the idea of sell it and then build it after I understand that, but I really struggle I know, with in, that. Your, in your heart. Correct. So for those like, who are listening, just to share if that's okay, Eleanor, for those yeah. who are listening, um, at that time, so I uh, was in COVID because that was the time when we realised, I was like, well, the one thing that most people are missing, if we've got any opportunity to do anything now, if people are in lockdown and going, how do I make the most of this? And I know you think like that, and a lot of women in our community think like that, is how can I make the most of this time? What can I do? Um, and so the program we had then was Cut Through Collateral, which is essentially okay, let's build the collateral, landing pages, white papers, brochures, all the stuff that people go, I never have time to do this. And, but at the same time is I'm struggling to get my sales and I'm struggling to get my price point up or I'm struggling to articulate my value. So you got in and I think we had the 14 modules in that program and you just went hell for leather. Like you are like, yep, right, I'm in. And it was, I think you did every single piece you just followed it to the letter I think yeah I think yes I, I did and I think there was I had a heap of skin in the game yeah I think I knew I knew I was starting to see what good could be for me yes um I'd really and I suppose one of the things I will say about the sort of accepting the contract role that it was the right time to do that and what I mean yeah. by that I reckon if I had thought about it and accepted it 12 months early, earlier I may have looked at it from a through a lens of failure right whereas I had kind of I and I reckon the book probably had a lot to do with it yes is that I was able to go no this is a strategic play right this will give me the foundation so it'll give me the energy and it'll give me the certainty of cash flow which will yeah. Um, take away all of the potential negative energy that sometimes gets in your in your being um, yes. when you're kind of not where you want to be right and how did you manage the energy of that Eleanor because I think this is really key because there's a lot of women who um, start their practices and uh, and I was like you I started I, I was contracting before I went full-time in your practice and that that's a there's a lot of pressure that comes with that but it's great because you've got the certainty of income but you're having to maintain manage your energy to continue to do the things that are going to progress your practice how did you push through that time trying to go three days a week here and then being able to keep going okay I've got to progress that and progress that because I'm sure on those other days it's like <laughs> oh 
I think I'll, I'll just have a break or I, you know, I need, yeah. I need work-life balance. You know, it's hard to push through that time. How did, like, what did you have to do to get through that, to make that transition? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a really good question because it, it is hard because it's almost like you're pretty much doing well, your business is a full-time job. And so really the contract sits on top of that. Right. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you know, I'm all about intention and purpose. Yes. So I knew specifically the point of that contract role. It right. was there. It was there for a real purpose. It was there. I was being very intentional about doing it okay. um, and intentional about the energy that I give to it. Now, as a lot of, I'm sure, um, women in your community and certainly the ones that I know, we're all high performers. We want to do the best in everything that we do. Yes. Right? Um, so it meant that I actually had to manage my energy in the contract role. I needed to do a great job, of course. Yes. Um, but I needed to, if I ordinarily would have gone there and, and, and asked to do yeah. more, I had to really temper my own expectations Okay. Uh, because I knew that anything extra that I would give them would actually be something that I take away from my business. Yeah. And yeah. so I just had that, okay, this right. is, you know, and particularly, you know, working with people that I loved and I did, I do, did and still do love the people that I was working in that team with. I'm so grateful for their friendship um, and we are still friends, but I just had to, yeah, really manage my energy and, and I was really transparent with them as well. Right. So I didn't pretend that this was something that was agnostic to my business they knew it sat alongside each other. I was very transparent in the interview process. Mm -hmm. In fact, they were really, they were really interested. I'll never forget the interview. They said, if you've got such a, such a successful business, why would you want to be getting a job? And so again, it kind of came back to my own conviction around the why I was yeah. doing the contract role. Yeah. And so when it came to, and I know certainly sort of towards the end of that year, Jane, I was going, Jane, I don't know how long I can do this. <laughs> I, know, I remember. Because <laughs> Because as a result of the work that we'd been doing, my business just kind of went straight up. Yeah, you were just and, hanging on. Yeah. Um, and it just, yeah, and it, so that was the thing. It was, this is, I'm doing this for a reason. I was very, you know, even I had Cody on board with the, I know this is going to be a really tough year, but this is what it needs to look like on the other side. You know, if we can just hang on for the year. Yeah. Um, and and I What was that tipping point, Eleanor? Like when you... When, what made you decide to finally go, okay, it's time to start my practice 100%. That takes a lot of guts and courage. How, what happened yes. that made you get to that point? Probably time and fatigue, if I'm really <laughs> Well, no. So, so the contract, so the, the contract itself. Was the contract was coming to an contract. end. Okay. However, I was pretty good at what I did there. So they kept asking me to extend. That's right. Yes. Yeah. And so I did on my terms. So I, instead of going, a, you know, I was effectively on an employment contract where it was a part-time employment contract. So I went, I will extend because I was scared to let go, right? Like there yeah. was just this certainty that the money was just going to keep coming in and I could just keep doing what I wanted. Yeah. But I said, okay, well, yes, I'm happy to extend, but I'm going to work on these discrete things and it's going to be um, an invoice type arrangement. Right. So I didn't ever carry that guilt with me that I'm supposed to be on the clock, but mm -hmm. I'm not. You know, I, I obsess about my calendar and so I know that if it's in my calendar, I'll get it done. So I was pretty mm -hmm. confident that if I entered into the agreement into this extension in this way I'd be able to honor my agreement with them uh, without jeopardizing anything uh, in my business um, however that 
volatility or that uns- the, the variability didn't work so much for me and it didn't work so much for them. And so actually until recently, um, in fact, just recently, we actually have severed because I've got to a point where I said, you know what, um, my, you know, day rate, the value of my time, the value of my IP, it's actually changed so much that if you want me to contribute to this curriculum that you're building, um, we're actually going to have to um, either license IP or, or figure out, you know, another way to do it. And they actually have come back to me and said, we don't enter into those arrangements. So we actually just recently, oh, that conversation was probably about a month ago. Um, their, their timelines were too tight given what delivery I had booked in anyway. Um, but but actually, yeah, it was about a month ago where we had that, I was able to have that conversation, say, yes, I'm happy to work with you and I understand why you want my expertise in there. Yes. But this is the arrangement under which we will have to do that. And they said, no, we don't do that. So that that's all good. What I love about that, Eleanor, is like if we listen to the journey you've been on is the evolution of your practice. And I know it sounds so obvious, but I don't know if you find this, but I find sometimes when I'm talking to those in our community and even for myself, I was like, but this was the decision I made. So I've got to kind of stay with doing this. But as you evolve and as your practice evolves, because you're unpacking your thinking, you're now articulating your value is that those conversations, yes, you made a commitment with them, but that was for that period of time. And as it evolved and changed, you worked with them to have those conversations as opposed to feeling beating yourself up, racked with guilt, trying to, um, you know, work around it as opposed to just being transparent and working with them and having a conversation and just going, well, um, you know, uh, someone in our community says, yeah, I've learned that I'd never to sit still. Is This is continuing to evolve it and change it as opposed to going, well, okay, I'm sitting here, I'm going to stay here for the next 10 years. So, you know, I think that's such a valuable insight for you to share is that, you know, even though you may have, yes, that was right for that time, but it's okay. Oh, you can give yourself yeah. permission to grow and to be able to progress. And um, so, Ellie, you um, now in your own practice, if we go forward to, um, you know, the start of particularly the really fabulous program that you've got now, um, are you happy to share a little bit about the community that you've built now and yeah. how it works and um, how you how it all came about? Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited to. So, yeah, I think the pro, there's my sort of signature program and community that I've developed over the course of the last 12 months is the CFO boardroom. So for chief financial officers that are looking to play bigger, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, this is something, you know, Jane, that we started talking about this time last year. And so, yes, I had niched into the women in finance and, and yes, the sort of gender diversity thing had sort of come off and, and we, you and I were having a conversation, all right, so what's, what's the next thing? Like, if you really, who do you really want to work with? And I said, you know what, I want to work with CFOs because they're the ones, you know, they're at the top of the tree. They're the ones that have the most, that can have the most impact and influence, not only with their teams, for, um, but at the leadership and, and, and organisation level. So I went, that's the group. And I said, the other thing that I would love is a is a group of people around me. You know, I mentioned the contract part was a lot around working with great people. Mm. Well, that's a lot of what the CFO boardroom was around. So I said, I want to have that 
signature program that people know, you know, Eleanor does this and she runs a community um, for CFOs because I'm not someone who necessarily needs to be in the spotlight. So we talk about the different modes that we operate in. Yes, I work across all of the modes, but my favourite mode is the coaching and facilitating mode where I get to bring people together and be the connector and help them and elevate them together. Right. And so the CFO boardroom was something that we, you know, we sort of planned out this time last year and we said, okay, well, what does that look like? And so I've been spending the last 12 months very actively uh, building my list um, of CFOs uh, and building that building that community. And so now I have the CFO boardroom, which is my high high performance coaching program and what I call my platinum community uh, for CFOs. Um, I have a community called CFOs Connect, which is a group, um, it's a bigger group of CFOs that comes together on a semi-regular basis just to catch up. It's kind of like um, CFO boardroom light, um, if you want. Mm -hmm. And uh, I suppose my my hope is that's been really successful this year, sort of Mm -hmm. taking those things off. Um, my, My big goal for next year, I suppose, is to take those communities across the whole of the eastern seaboard we're obviously limited a little bit in travel um, by by COVID and, and travel restrictions so I'm really hoping to extend that out because what I've found is that um, CFOs and you know finance professionals very good at internal networks and I was the same yeah. um, very good at you know internally in the business who is my profile you know who's my profile with whom am I influencing the right people but we sort of get the blinkers on and even though we know we should get out there yes we don't want the you know go to a mass conference and do the speed dating type thing right it's not my style either and so it's really you know what I what I keep hearing the success of these communities and the people in these communities is it's just an opportunity to kind of get together in a safe um, and genuine environment and just kind of go oh yeah this is me Yes, you know, this is me. It was fascinating. We had a boardroom session last week. Yes. And one of the guys, one of the, the guys that joined our cohort for the first time for December, really very serious. Like you think I'm intentional, Jane. This guy wow. takes it next level. Really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he wanted to be, you know, super, you know, and he's got a plan for his five-year career. Wonderful. Okay. He got in and we were creating our play, which is our sort of 90-day focus project. And, you know, it can either be a business outcome, a professional outcome, or some sort of personal um, activation outcome thingy. Okay. I fully expected, given his intention, his, you know, the conversations and sessions we'd had so far, his would definitely be about business or professional. And he said, actually, I've got three streams in my life, cricket, family, and work. Right. I want to get some balance in those three things because it's too work-focused right and I just and it just it was just such a good reminder that you know what I what do I do I bring the smartest minds the smartest financial minds together that is my day job right but fundamentally I'm dealing with a bunch of human beings with complex lives that want to be good you know they want to be there for their friends their families their loved ones which is something that really just binds us all really Um, and they're human beings at the end of the day aren't they and and um, Eleanor, are you happy to share just even a bit on the mechanics of, of how something like this works? Like, because as people will be listening to this going, how on earth do you pull together 
a CFO boardroom, like, you know, yeah, got list and all that sort of stuff. But one is, you know, what kind of, I don't know if you're happy to share, but kind of how much people pay for something oh, like yeah. that. And, um, you know, so you talked about a quarterly day. Are you happy to share a bit about the mechanics Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll, I'll go back and, and maybe just go a step before the launch. Yeah. So I want to be really clear if it's okay to share yeah. um, with you um, and hopefully I don't do something wrong for myself. Yeah. But I started <laughs> this time this time last year, I had 64 CFOs in my list. Right. 64. Yeah, 64. Right. I now have about 800. Yeah, great. Um. In 12 months. In 12 now, because I have two, you know, because I separate my leaders in finance portal into CFOs and aspiring CFOs, right? So there's a whole nother chunk. Um, but for CFOs, like, it's like, I don't know what percentage growth that is, but in terms of how do you even get yourself in a position where you can host multiple community events and forums for CFOs? Right. You've got to, you've got to do things. the work to get the list up and get those numbers up. Because yeah. otherwise it's impossible. Now I'm still a long way away from having big public programs and taking on the world, which is ultimately what I want. But <laughs> you've got to do the work. And again, it sort of comes down to what I've learned from you, Jane, is just that rigor and discipline. Yeah. And I think one of the things, it is easy to be bright-eyed and excited about the world that we play in because it's fun. Like it's we fun. we are so lucky to do what we do. Yeah. But it is a job. Yeah. And the job, you need to have that consistency to have that growth. So the list is a really big part of that. So I just wanted to share that to start with. Um, and a big part of that maybe is, because uh, I know you've made a real commitment to your systems with your yes. team, because you came out of being on your own. You now have two team members. You have someone full-time offshore and you have someone local working with you about 20 hours a week. You yeah. really invested in your systems because I know you talk, you obsess around productivity, your calendar and cadence and rhythms. And so I think what you're kind of talking about is it doesn't look sexy because you're just going, it's just list. You just got to keep finding those people and just, but you can't do that if you haven't got those systems and rhythms in place. Yeah. I know you've put a real effort into those with yourself and in particular your team to get yeah. that system working so you can stay in your genius. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'll never forget the cut through collateral session where you went, CRM is not so much about your CRM, but how your CRM interacts with your PMS or whatever it's. Yeah. PMS. Project management system. Yeah. And I said, <laughs> um, Jane, What's a, what's a PM? What's all that? <laughs> <laughs> and so then that you know, and so now Asana is my best friend. Um, <laughs> thanks to thanks to you and implementing that with the team. Um, yeah, so there's a lot of back-end work, but I, right. I fundamentally believe that if we can get the foundations right, like I kind of go, if you get your foundations right, that is the source of freedom. Yeah. Or if you get your structure right, that is how you can be spontaneous, yes. right? So not everyone likes to be, you know, kind of play in that spontaneous, fun space. Yeah. That's totally cool. We'll let them hang out in the foundation and the structure space. Yes. Um, but if we are going to grow these nice big businesses and serve our communities, we need to have we need to have the foundation. So yes, it's it's not sexy, but it's an absolute must. Got to have it. Um, yeah. Then uh, we worked together to build this. I knew I wanted a signature program. I knew yeah. I wanted a community, and I wanted to wanted to remove any sort of feeling of a of a work client relationship feeling transactional, which yes. is why the community piece was so important and also the longevity of a, of a program um, was. And so the, the CFO boardroom is fundamentally a 
12 months, it's the first 12 months of a, of a program or a career journey, which is really designed to help CFOs. Well, let me backtrack just quickly. The role yeah. of a CFO is evolving. It's growing. The pandemic yeah. actually was a really good thing for CFOs because it really put them in the spotlight right. as, as a role that can add value, that can not only keep companies safe, Yes. But can you really can drive the strategic direction of a business? So the pandemic, I think, worked wonders for CFOs and the profile of a CFO. Mm. So really, the CFO boardroom is to harness those CFOs who are up for that. Not not all of them are. That's no. totally fine. But for those who are up for the up for that journey, who are looking to lead their businesses, looking to be the two IC for their CEO, um, looking to, you know, I, it sounds big, but really looking to change the world, do good things and collectively change the, the communities that they operate in. Right. Um, that's, that's who I'm looking to for support. And so yeah. the CFO boardroom provides them with the opportunity to go, all right, what is my brand as a CFO? Yeah. And, you know, it's a really interesting as I've been really playing in this space for the last 12 months, really interesting the conversations I'm having around, well, what's next? You know, see, they've worked up the corporate hierarchy. So right. you look at the CFO and you go, well, what else, what else is next? There's really only one role. Right. And I think there is a school of thought that it has, you, you know, CEO is the next step. I, I disagree with that. I think those are two different roles with different capabilities and you need to have a desire to be a CEO. It's not, a, it's not an easy role. Yep. So well, the conversation that what I'm trying to do in terms of helping CFOs create their brand is say, well, what, you know, forget about a job title. What is it? What does your career look like for you? Yes. What, you know, I say play for significance. Significance, not about status is about legacy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So what is the impact you want to have on the world through the work that you do? Yeah. So it might be through CEO or it might be a board, you know, a board role or it might be um, you might step into the philanthropic space. You might decide to be a virtual CFO and help multiple companies instead of just one. I think there are just so many exciting options for the future for CFOs. And so that's why we do a lot of work on brand and, and positioning. And I know I'm talking to the absolute master in that space, but I find that when we talk about things like confidence um, and conviction, once yeah. you've got a brand that's aligned in purpose, that conviction, that gravitas that everybody is searching for, it just sort of exudes naturally. And Eleanor, with these group, so it's a group of um, like 12 that you have yeah. a group and eight, was it? Uh, it's um, 10 at the moment. 10? Yeah. And so they're 10 people. So you have a group of 10 that get together and you're looking at doing some other groups as well. Yeah. They get together each quarter and well, they get some coaching as well is yeah, that how it works that's it so if we talk about the there's a quarterly mastermind day so those yeah. are what I call the pillars of the program yeah. full day quarterly masterminds in between the quarters we have a two-hour check-in yeah um, where we get together and go are you on track you know right. where do you need help what do you need support with um you know it's really to say it's a little bit like when you go on a road trip and you know when you're on the big motorways and you start to go and you hear that at the end of the lane yes that's what that mid-quarter check-in is to go all right let's get back into the middle of the lane get focused and accelerate through the rest of the quarter right um, we also have that, yeah, so then there's one-on-one -on -one coaching sessions through the course of that as well. So making okay. sure that I can help the CFOs on their specific focus areas, which will be different yes. for every CFO um, 
and whatever their specific goals are. Right. Uh, and then we're also one of the sort of evolutions or a couple of the evolutions that we made as a result of the lockdown was we're now running um, an annual CFO of the Future Community event, right. uh, which will bring all of my CFOs and my aspiring CFOs together nice. uh, for an annual event, which will be amazing. Um, and then there's just some other sort of webinars and insights across the course of the of the 12 months. So it's um it's certainly it's not it's not for the faint-hearted, but it is for those who are high achievers looking yes. to continue to you know elevate, push themselves, yes. um, and really looking to you know move out of the back office and be seen as a real value creator for the business. You're solving a great uh, like this is a significant problem for them. Like you know, for if I think about. You know, we talk about, um, you know, trying to increase your value proposition, how to increase your day rates, how to, you know, create programs. And I don't think it's always about necessarily how do I sell my big ticket item? But it's not about that. It's like what you talk about significance and I think about what's the most significant problem that's going to hold them back from being able to do that? How, what do you need to design and then working out okay so what's the problem here's the solution that it would need and I know you've spent so much time I know how intentional you are if, you, if for anyone that's listening to this if you could spend five minutes with Eleanor to just see how deeply she thinks about these problems and challenges but not just problems and challenges opportunities and how thorough you are in thinking through what will progress these people you've got a huge sense of advocacy about you when you're working with this and you know, big part of it is obviously you come with a lot of um, context and credibility because and that empathy that you have and deep insight into that, that you were then able to evolve it into, okay, so now that I realise here's the focus, here's the challenge, here's the problem, here's the opportunity, okay, what do I need to design to solve that? And as a result, you went, if I could design anything, it would be this thing, it'd be called a CFO boardroom, it would be and you were so clear. So as a result of that, like just to get an idea for those who are listening, particularly on, could I do something like that? Like what do they normally, what what kind of price oh. point do people pay for something like this, Eleanor? Yeah, absolutely. It's a um, $20,000 uh, program plus GST, mm -hmm. or that's the excluding GST price. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the things that's really served us well, CFOs are a funny bunch. So not all of them, you would, there is the assumption that they would be a, being, you know, very senior in the organisation, they might have their business sponsored the program. Mm -hmm. but that's not always the case. Sometimes these CFOs just understand the benefit this will have on them personally. Right. Um, and so, we can we kind of cut that twenty thousand dollars in in whichever way um, is most useful or easy for for them. Um, one of the, the two of the suppose big values I suppose that you role model Jane really well that I really um, seek to apply in my business are the two values of generosity and ease. Mm. Um, and you know, so those are the two things that I say. Well, you know what? If you're in, I'm just going to figure out how we can make it work for you. Yeah. I don't want I don't want the cash to be the issue um, or to be a pain point for you let's just you know how do we make it easy and so if they do opt in um, you know being a 12-month program if we don't have a program currently launching and they want to opt in a few months early we go great 
we'll spread that 20 grand over a longer period. I'll give you some free coaching sessions along the way so you can get a running start to the program. Yeah. And we just make it really easy because again, I don't want transactional relationships with these people. Yes. I want to know who they are. I want to give them the best result they can. Yes. Um, and so it's just about how do I make it easy and how do I give them a solution that's going to help them? I love that. Um, and uh, Eleanor, um, I'm keen to check in on, uh, you know, like you've applied so much stuff, whether it's systems, whether it's marketing, list building, like you've thrown everything at it. You've brought on a team and you've brought on two team members in the last 12 months, like you've invested heavily. Um, if someone's listening to this and they're thinking, I was Eleanor, I'm in that contracting role. I'm starting my practice. Mm -hmm. They're seeing themselves in you where you were 12 months ago. What would you suggest to them or what do you wish that you had done differently or what do you think was the most significant thing that made the biggest, has made, you know, this traded, because your practice has absolutely transformed in the last 12 months. You know, what advice would you have for someone who might be listening to this if they are saying, that's, Ellen is me, that's me. Um, Okay, what would I do? I think I'd be really, so there's a few things. Just be really clear um, with what what you want. Yeah. This is what I typically find, and I find this with my clients as well, and this certainly was the case for me, um, was I sort of knew what I want. Yeah. But I sort of didn't. And as I said, when I first stepped into this world I had no idea what it meant um and so I think I um tried a lot of things and I was in I allowed myself to be influenced by people that perhaps weren't the right people to be influenced by Mm -hmm. I think there is a bit of a chicken and egg situation in there would I be if I didn't have that and all the rest of it but I think what I would say is be really I think it's a self-awareness piece right and be really self-aware of what works for you because you'll get so much advice. Yeah. You know, I had to, I had lunch with um, some of my high school girlfriends a couple of weekends ago. Yeah. And they, were, they were talking, I don't even know what they were talking about that, but they were bouncing around a silly business idea and they went, well, Alana, maybe as the entrepreneur of the group, maybe you can do this. And I just thought, gosh, it's just a, you know, it's, it's a weird world that we play in and people will yeah. Just offer you really random and nonsensical advice. So if you know what you want and if you know what works for you, it just allows you to say, "Thanks for you know, thanks very much, but that's not really for me." Right. Um, I think the other thing is, and I've talked with you about this. I do suffer from comparisonitis at times. Yeah. Um, and and also more recently, a bit of imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. And so that comparisonitis one is, yeah, you know, what are, what are you about? Not everyone is going to want to serve CFOs. And in fact, people will always say, one of my CFOs the other night said to me, Eleanor, why do you just focus on CFOs? Like, surely you could work, you know, with others. Yes. And I also know that's not the right thing for my business because the, you know, my, my mentors tell me otherwise, right? <laughs> uh, I also know that that will dilute the value that I can offer to CFOs. Yes. Yeah. Um, from a, 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 but from a comparisonitis perspective, um, you know, it's just coming back and going, this is me. There is only one of me. Yeah. People are going to like me and people are not going to like me. And you know what? That's okay. I don't actually need to be um, all things to all people. Um, I am the oldest child and I'm a people pleaser, which I'm sure many, many, many people watching this will resonate with, right? We want to help everyone. Yeah. Um, but it actually doesn't help anyone 
if you just try and be all things to all people. So, you know, really staying in your lane and just being comfortable that there are going to be people um, that are ahead of the game than you, that are doing different things that look more fun and sexy than you. But play your play your own game, um, and and you'll be right. As I said, I'm suffering from a bit of imposter syndrome at the moment. That will come because you'll go, oh, is that really me? You know, yes. my imposter syndrome, as you said, Jane, because the, my business has you know been quite successful this year. I'm going, oh, who is this person? What is this business? <laughs> um, I suppose the culmination of all of that is, um, you know finding a finding a mentor investing in yourself and finding a mentor that will support you in all of in all of those things um you know whatever date that was in july june last year um changed my life yeah um because i resonate with you i trust you know as i said i've been stalking you for a little while i felt that even though you didn't know me i felt like i sort of knew where you were coming from and that worked for me and so when when I started working with you, it was it was the reinforcement. Okay, I, you know I trust Jane. Um, you're very generous in terms of opening us up to your network and all of the ideas, um, you know, to to help steer me in the right direction. And I suppose that's the thing, whether it's comparisonitis, whether it's imposter syndrome, whether it's oh maybe I should try this or maybe I should try that. Like you're the person that just goes all right, let's just come back to, I mean, we even had the conversation the other day and, and this is exactly, you know, what I, what I needed and what I loved is I said, I've just got this little idea about how many options I should give for my finance leadership team problem, a program. Mm -hmm. And you went, well, let's just come back to the value that you've committed to, you've committed to these potential clients. And let's just break that, like it came back down to the, all right, it's not the, it's not the shallow, just sell, just sell the just thing. Sell it's thing. The, yeah what is the benefit that you're promising to give them if they come into that? And to me, like, it's just that credibility piece. It's the, I'm really comfortable when I'm selling programs for $20,000 a pop. I'm really comfortable that it's worth it. I'm really comfortable that I'm going to give them a very minimum of $20,000 of value back. Yes. Um, and I think that, you know, I was speaking, talking to someone recently and, you know, my new business manager, you know, is looking at this weird game that we play, Jane, and going, look at all these zeros, like this is ridiculous. <laughs> it's not about, it's, it's not about the money, no. but what the money does allow us to do is be really generous and to solve big problems for people. Yes. And I think, you know what, if that's, if that's what it takes, then I'm so up for that. Yeah. Um, and I'm so up for doing the work and creating the opportunities um, for my CFOs and also for my family. Yeah. Right. So that we can create this lifestyle that we want for ourselves. Yeah, because you've moved from Sydney, you've moved to the Central Coast. You, if you get to follow follow Eleanor on social media, you'll see she puts up beautiful photos of the beach and a beautiful time. And I think that's really ultimately what it's all about, isn't it? Is I always think, you know, I love. I ask the question each day: Is um, am I living the dream? And mm. if I'm living the dream is like what's missing from the dream or how good is the dream today? And I watch you and I go, there's so many women that um, that have these aspirations of living that life of the design of how they want it to look, whether it goes, you know what, we don't need to live in the city. We can live in this place. You know, you're still running one of, you know, the signature program of your dreams. You've got hubby of your dreams, kids of your dreams, living the place of your dreams. You've got this incredible lifestyle. And I think that's for, particularly for women in consulting is that's the whole reason is flexibility, freedom, 
um, have fun with what you're doing and uh, to have that impact. And if I think about what you've talked about today, Eleanor, I think about it's, I think it's, but, you know, you talk so much about intention and purpose. And I think about Simon Sinek, start with why everything's around start with why. But what I love about what you've done in particular is you, I think you also ask the question just as much is it, um, it starts with who, who do you care about? Who do you really like you care deeply about those clients that you have, you know, them intimately. And I think if, um, if there's anything that we can learn from you and the trajectory that you've been on and it, your practice has exploded over the last 12 months is your obsession around the solving those particular issues and problems and just how deeply you're thinking about them all the time. Mm -hmm. um, so I really take my hat off to you and I really want to acknowledge you for that. And thanks so much for jumping on today. Um, if people want to jump out, uh, jump out, if people want to reach out, <laughs> people jumping out of closets and things in your house. Um, uh, if people want to um, get in touch with you, maybe they want to know a bit about the CFO boardroom, even if they just want to follow you and be inspired by you as we all are, um, what would you like people to do? Yeah, absolutely. Um, LinkedIn is a great place to start. You know, just follow me on LinkedIn, connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, I'm pretty pretty present on LinkedIn in terms of giving you an insight into what what events I've got on and how we can connect. Um, people are always willing to, you know, jump onto my website, alanabennett.com.au. They can even email me at alana at alanabennett.com.au. I'm just a normal human being. Um, <laughs> you know, I love to have a chat. I love to learn about people. Um, so, you know, as I said, keep it easy. Keep it easy, keep it simple, and let's have fun. Oh, thank you again for being on, Ellen. You've been so generous with the insights and being able to delve into your practice. And uh, hopefully we get to have you on again one day soon. I hope so. Thanks, Jane. Thanks, Thanks so much again. for having me. Appreciate it. My pleasure.